0: What's up? What's up, everyone? Welcome to another week of the Goalink Show. My name is Ben, the host and founder of Goalink. Goalink is a supportive community of growth junkies and life learners, embracing weekly challenges. Each week, we find a new way to level up and learn something new. So it could be a cold shower, waking up at 5 a.m., a kind act, taking yourself on a date, journaling, meditating, various fitness activities, and much more. These challenges are inspired by mission-driven brands that align with our values. So if you're crazy like me and you love to level up and you're always looking for ways to evolve and grow and step into your fullest potential, then Goalink is just for you. Join us every week on social media to participate in these weekly challenges. Embrace the challenge with me at Goalink group. The GoLink show, this podcast recounts experiences from life enthusiasts with a unique perspective. So they could be a mother, a teacher, business owner, coach, entrepreneur, somebody with many years of experience, or someone just stepping into their arena. Wherever they are in life's journey, we all have a story to tell. So we delve into the struggles that we come across during our journey. How do we find the will to make it through? What role does failure play in our lives? What tools and lessons have we learned from those difficult experiences? Let's talk about the process and not just the result. We discuss this and much more in the show, Thanks for tuning in. What's up, my beautiful people? I am literally coming live from a coffee shop bathroom. (laughs) So, you know, the grind is real, but I'm excited for this episode. My wonderful friend, Adrian Ellison, is joining us. Well, it's a little bit different this time because I'm giving you, this is the exact call from our membership group. I wanted to give you a real look into it since a lot of you aren't still in it and you'll hear us talk about polls and questions that people are chatting in. You can't see that obviously because this is just the audio from the video. But this conversation was was an eye-opener for me, especially when she talks about feelings and energy around spending money. A lot of us have a misguided relationship with spending money. And Adrienne tells us her money story that she grew up with, which is fascinating and I hope you can relate to it, whether it's similar or you can just find your own and how she would manipulate her lovers, her partners, and her friends, and how she had an extremely difficult time being honest with money, which is a lot of us, for real, how she's improved it, and how she's cleaning up this narrative currently. Money is energy, and we talk about, or she talks about how we can create more of the energy or money that we want, and she gives us real tools to identify our money story and how to reframe it for our benefit this is a really cool conversation, and this is why I love the membership, because it's, I don't know, it's like the interaction of group and so much energy and the questions, and we get to get personal. So hopefully you enjoy this amazing conversations to identify and reframe your money story with my wonderful friend, Adrian. Enjoy. All right, we are live. Boom, and we already have seven people right on time. Good job, people. That's impressive, Very good, Very good job. Okay, cool. So, ooh, so, everyone, I just posted a poll where I want you – Adrian. you can see that poll, right? Hmm. Can you see
1: it? <laughs> no, I don't think so.
0: Okay, cool. But we've already got people um, taking a poll. So, essentially – um, this kind of gives us a look into how you're feeling and just the people who are on the call, we can kind of get a vibe. So the question that I put out was, what best describes you? And the first question is, or the first entry is, I never look at my bank account because I'm nervous too. I frequently look at my bank account. I'm worried about what it'll show. And then three, I rarely worry about money and I'm here to learn more about it. Awesome. Will you get, I can hear the feedback, will you get your headphones? Mm-hmm. Cool, right. thank you. Just so everyone knows, as peeps are strolling in, interesting, I love watching this change. So at first, it was mostly, I never look at my bank account because I'm nervous too. And now it's people I r- rarely worry about money and I'm just here to learn more of it, that's cool. Claire, hello, I'm glad you saw the poll. All right, cool. So we're going to just wait a few more minutes just so so everyone who's watching this recorded, because um, anyone who's in the membership or um, registered for this call, you get this recorded. So you'll get a video from me, this exact thing recorded. So you don't have to, you know, like, so you take notes, but of course you can go back and skip around, go to your favorite parts and all those fun things. Um, no, so... And then Claire asked in the chat, "Can you hear the watchers?" No. So there's a feature. So just so everyone knows, there's a feature where um, we want to coach someone live today, or more than one, depending how much time we have. Usually it's just one, um, because that's what we're able to do every single time in these calls. Is we have the goalie or we have a guest expert, Adrian, and then she'll give the workshop, teach us all the amazing things. And then, um, yeah, so anyone who's super open to be coached, um, definitely use this, use this time. You can chat as much as possible. You can just get ready. There's also a feature called like raise your hand. And so what that will do is if you raise your hand, I can actually bring you in in the audio or video. If you are someone who really wants to be in the group for real and be coached live dopeness adrian you ready i'm so ready (laughs) cool well first of all (laughs)
1: just let you do your thing
0: (laughs) yeah thanks for thanks for being here um i love how we're both like in our natural element just in our tank tops which is exactly what we're here for right it's just just to be us. totally um and to give everyone a quick intro for Adrian, um, she's helping host and teach uh, the retreat that we're doing in two weeks. Two weeks from tomorrow, two weeks from tomorrow, which is crazy. So we're going to San Diego. Um, but Adrian, every single conversation we have, I feel like there's always more to be had, and I'm always impressed with how much she knows. So. But we recently had a conversation. I was driving my way to Austin and you brought up money and what you have learned about it and just how you think about it. And it really helped me. And so I just wanted to invite you on. So thank you for being here.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm like super mm-hmm. into talking about money right now, which
0: is
1: <laughs> part of my practice and part of my healing journey with money is to externally process it to the point where it becomes one of the most comfortable conversations that I could have.
0: mm. Oh, Jason said, it's one week. It's not two weeks. It's one week.
1: <laughs> the well, retreats in one week? Technically, yes. As of internet, it is. in one week. Yeah, yes.
0: two weeks, one week from Thursday. Holy crap. Okay. Don't, don't
1: worry. We're going to get together before the
0: <laughs> Okay, cool. All right, Adrian. So will you go into like your personal story? Because I don't know. Some people don't have money stories. But I know you do, and I actually oh, don't. Oh,
1: everybody has money
0: stories. Well, money story, just... but maybe not, maybe not a negative one.
1: Yeah, I think money is like is mad taboo, right? Sex and money, uh, or mm-hmm. sexuality and money—things that we grow up learning that it's very rude to comment on or ask yeah. about. <clears throat> so, I very much grew up in um, a really small town. And everybody's parents were farmers, except for my dad. My dad was a crop duster, which meant that he sprayed the crops for all the farmers. And so from the appearance, like my dad had airplanes and we had a bigger house than a lot of other people. And I was also just a spoiled kid. I I learned how to manipulate my parents from an early age. So I had toys and I had go-karts and I had my parents build like a little go-kart track around our house. And um, so so that, yeah, it was really cool. But um (laughs) From my perception as a child, I had everything that I needed, right? And the common thing was like we have everything we need and more and others are much less fortunate than us. Mm. And I never paid attention to how the perceptions that I had as a kid listening to that really played a role because – like some of my earliest memories of money were my dad coming home one year for Christmas and me getting a brand new bike, a brand new go-kart. We got a first flat screen TV. We got a DVD player. We got all these movies, we got all these clothes. And I remember it being like a, a good, a good year. Right. And so this idea that like money was all around us in these material things, but it was always based off if the farmers had a good year or not. So like really, felt like the power was like in the farmer's hands or in the rain's hands. <clears throat> and then also uh, my dad worked like a dog. I mean, he was super anxious. He had PTSD and um, he also had a, a little bit of a drinking problem. And so, you know, when he wasn't around um, it, my perception was just that he was working really hard and, and everyone would always say your dad works so hard. And so, the stories that I have growing up around money is that you have to break your back and you have to work so hard in order to have the things that you want. And then it's still not really up to you. It's up to the weather and it's up to everybody else. Mm. Um, and if you have too much, you know, you have more than everybody else and others are less fortunate than you and you should be ashamed if you want more.
0: Can so we repeat you can see... so, so you work hard, but you that's work still not enough
1: still not enough because it's not always going to be up to you of who brings in money. Um, it's up to other people that pay you and it's up to the things like the weather and like how the farms do. And you know, if a tornado comes through, like, you know, you're just out of luck. Um, and then the last thing was that, you know, we have so much more than other people have. We should feel really grateful and we shouldn't want more. Mm -hmm. And so as an adult, um, one i was i was spoiled like i said so my my parents always made sure that i had everything that i needed you know especially my my dad would kind of go overboard and i never really understood work ethic i never really understood like the the value of a dollar or anything like that and it was always kind of like as i got older and i was really poor with managing money um it was it was very apparent too and this this goes into tra- i mean there's trauma there's so many things that create our, our stories with money but the other thing was that uh i was a i was like a pretty overbearingly annoying kid um i, w- I had a really high emotional intelligence um, which I now have found out is not actually emotional intelligence, actually just channeling, which I've been doing since mm. I was a kid, huh. which is a whole nother thing. Um, but I thought other kids were super whack, and I wanted to hang out with adults, <laughs> and so I was like, the kid that was like always like trying to get the adults to be my friends, and they were like, piss off, kid, you know. And I didn't have. Uh, a lot of kids really wanted to hang out with me. They wanted to come to my house because we had nice things. Because I had a go kart, and I had bikes, and I had scooters, and I had the two giant dollhouses and a basement filled with toys. And I had a cookie drawer, and a candy drawer, and a soda fridge. And and I, but I didn't get invited over to kids' house that often. And so I learned from an early age that in order for to be liked, I really had to compensate people, and I had to have the nicest things. And so over the course of you know high school, um, when my parents so actually was pretty much asked to leave school. It was, it was less of being kicked out and more of just like, Your daughter's caused some trouble, like we think you guys should leave. And that was right before um two thousand eight hit and my parents had to move me to another school yeah. district, buy another house ninety miles away. So my parents owned two houses right when the market crashed. And it was brutal on us. And all I remember was one, the guilt and the shame of like, this is my fault. And also not having the luxury of the things that I used to have and feeling like I didn't really understand why or what was happening because I didn't understand these, these concepts around money. I just knew that there was a massive drop off from having all the things that I want and our lifestyle is going to be different. And my parents are saying now we have to budget, we have to be really careful, you know, like there's all these things going on and And there's just a lot of things that happen all at once. And so I really wanted people to believe that I had money and I literally created, like, I wouldn't let people come over to our rent house, you know? And if I did, I would be like, well, this is all our second house, you know, like we have another house that's like way bigger than this. And, and this is just our house that I could go to school and and I would buy my friends so much stuff. I would pay, always pay for their drinks and I would always pay for their meals and I would always pay for my boyfriend's stuff. Um, and then even getting into like, you know, college, like I, at one point I had a, a $90,000 car that I couldn't afford just because I was terrified my friends would let somebody else drop them off at the club. Like it 90, was that. 000? Yeah, I had to add a, a BMW X6 when I was wow. 21. Wow. Yeah, and I and I I couldn't afford it, you know. Like there was there were many months where I had to borrow money from my parents. I had to yeah. do this and that. Um and yeah, it just came down to the fact that like I I'm not going to break my back. I I don't want to work and slave away every day to still not have money and to leave it up to other people. And so this began, you know, my dad eventually got pretty sick and and he was, you know, the person that I looked to for this financial stability and when he got really sick and and ended up passing away I passed this torch over to all the men in my life that I dated and it became this unconscious programming of like you have to provide for me because I'm not going to break my back and work the way that you're going to work and you're going to be able to make money but it'll probably never be enough but at least it won't be my problem it'll be our problem and and there was just so many things and then You know, this led into my one of my relationships with somebody who was very similar to my dad, Um, very anxious, PTSD, worked harder than anyone I know, like eighty hours a week, and he would always, you know, his relationship with money also could use some work. So he was constantly spending that money on things because he didn't want to have it in his bank account. Because unconsciously, there's these relationships that we have, and and we're doing all these things, and and the same thing was happening with me. I ended up getting to a place where I was bringing in like $20,000 into the business a month. And I was getting paid 60% of that. So it's getting like a good chunk every single month. And I never knew where it was going. And and it's not like I was spending it on clothes and shoes and things huh. like that. I, I'm not even that kind of like, those aren't even the things I would, it's like, I would go to a naturopath and I'd spend $1,200 in one day, like just to find out if I had like a food intolerance, like little things like that, that I would justify as like, well, I'm spending my money in good places. But the truth of it uh. was, is I was not really that intentional with how I was spending it. I was just creating stories that felt like they were in alignment with what I wanted. Like I was buying a lot of supplements and I was uh, you know, I was purchasing just like packages of things that wasn't really necessary but that I just needed to get that money out of my account because I had way too much money to feel okay about and other people were less fortunate than me and I felt guilt and I felt shame and just this energetic entanglement that when I would go to my bank account and there was too much money in there. I would feel chaos. And when I go to my bank account and there's not enough money in there, I would feel chaos. And there was no in between. Right. So you're constantly chasing like this outcome that you can never get to if you don't understand the energy. And that's been, you know, really leading up into the last year that I've really, really healed that relationship and gotten so much clarity on one, where it came from, um, what those first conversations about money were, you know, how it, it, was perpetuated by my parents, by the men in my life. um, And then, you know, how I want to show up with that relationship today and for other people.
0: Dang. Thank you for going into that. That was very, first of all, very well told. Um, So you, whether you had money or you didn't have money, it was chaos. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to put out another poll guys, just because when you were talking about that, I'm curious to know how many people actually know what their money story is. So we'll get to see how many people know it or don't know (coughs) it. Um, I love that. um, This is fun. Like, really, I do have fun doing this crap. (laughs) (laughs) Just doing little polls and stuff. Um, Okay, so how did you first find it out? Like, did you know it subconsciously when you were spending that money? Or how did it first, the subconscious come conscious, like, oh, like, this is actually, like, a problem or something like that.
1: To be honest, my relationship with money was so entangled that mm-hmm. it's, like, there are layers, right? There are layers of things, like, where you can look at, you, know, you can have self-awareness over something and be, like, oh, like, that's really ugly. Like, mm-hmm. my relationship with money was so, so bogged down. Like, so I always talk about energy in this way of, like, as humans, we're going to experience a lot of emotions around something, Right. Mm-hmm. So, we're going to experience jealousy. We're going to experience like a little bit of excitement. We're going to experience anticipation, all these things. And those emotions are great and you can leverage them. So, if I'm like, if, you know, if I'm trying to make money and all of a sudden my coworker gets a raise and I feel a little bit of jealousy, I can actually leverage that jealousy and like use it to like create something or even anger. Like some of these emotions mm-hmm. have a pretty high vibration. But emotions like shame, if you bog down, like that you feel jealous and that you feel inadequate. And you're going through comparison. And so you start feeling ashamed of like who you are and how you show up when money's around shame is like the lowest vibration. So now all of a sudden you've created even like more heaviness on top of something that's super hard to come back from. And my relationship with money was literally just filled with shame. It was the truth was that like I was 25, 26 years old and I literally did not understand money. I didn't understand. People would talk about investments and because I had this relationship where it was so entangled when money conversations would come up, I could feel this like very avoidant energy inside of me that was like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't and and that feel like it would literally consume my mind. And I would find myself trying to get away from the conversation as much as possible or flat out lying because I didn't know how to escape it. And so my relationship with money was so bad to the point where I could barely even have like an intelligent conversation about it without immediately going into like uh, this arrogant mask of like talking about the nice things that I have as a way to distract and project outward because I couldn't handle like people like if you were to come up to me and verbatim ask me questions about money, it was that it was either, I was going to find a way to manipulate the conversation to get it away from that and make it like, oh something shiny. Or I was going to flat out lie. And this is, this is even, you know, a couple years ago when I wasn't lying about anything. When I was in truth with everybody about everything, like I could not be in truth about money. It was like the last thing that I could not be fully honest about. Wow. And I still find myself like there's still residual leftover of those pieces of like somebody being very direct with me. And it's like somebody saying, well, how much money do you make? And people say, oh, that's a, such a rude question to ask. I mean, is it? I don't know. I couldn't tell you because my energy is so entangled with it. I really don't, I'm not in a place to like really be neutral about what's right or wrong when it comes to conversations about money. I'm still cleaning it. And that's why people say it's rude because there's so much entanglement and it's such a taboo conversation and people don't want to be asked about their financial situation. And I know this because one of my money mentors that I picked up this year that's really helped me create the vocabulary one, to be honest with the partners that I had that I was you know, manipulating and that I was in these relationships with because I needed financial stability. She's helped me with those conversations with understanding it. She's really famous in Australia. She wrote a New York times bestseller over finances. And she's like, everybody. And I mean, everybody has money problems. And the more money that somebody has, the more entanglements that they have. And she's like, I sit in here all day long, giving people advice on money. And these people, some of them make way more than me, but their energy is really entangled. And so that's mm-hmm. like that, that relationship that she understood that she was able to translate to me that made me feel less alone. Because I feel like in a, in a society where we're always keeping up with the Joneses and we want everybody to think we have more than we do, if you think that other people perceive that you have more than you do, that's, you're constantly chasing that, that perception, mm-hmm. right? And so you assume that other people have money if you were in a room full of your friends and you assume that everybody's pretending like they're doing well, you are also distracted by your own need to look like you're doing well. You're not even really thinking about like how they're doing. You just assume they're doing well and that you need to pretend like you're doing just as good. And they're pretending the same thing. And it's like, that's, that's a room full of friends who don't have conversations about money.
0: That is so interesting. Actually, like I've caught myself doing this, even like we can compare to Instagram, right? Like just because someone has followers or they look like they make money doesn't mean they do. And some people who have no followers and look, their image, whatever, isn't like perfect, they can make a lot of money too. So that goes with the same thing of just like those assumptions. That's mm-hmm. so interesting. So, how did you like what was the actual process of, okay, now you've recognized this from, well, besides Money Mentor, did I assume? was plant medicine part of this? Like how did else did you recognize, okay, this is my story. What else did you do yes. to like recognize it?
1: You know, oddly, plant medicine has not yet been a part of for money? my, mm-mm. huh? I, I keep wanting it to come up and it's not. <laughs> and I think I'm still dealing with so many other things probably. Cause I, you mm-hmm. know, plant medicine has been, has uncovered so many truths for me. And I think that, um, It's so interesting because now I'm having a lot like when I'm going into my plant medicine ceremonies, it's less about one specific thing. And it's a little bit more vague, actually. And Mm -hmm. like, because everything, everything is a mirror, right? So it's like a kaleidoscope. So like, if you look at your relationship with money, or you look at your relationship with men or women, or you look at your relationship with, with your job, like it's going to show you what your relationship is with pretty much everything. Like those are those perceptions that you have around that one thing. And so when i'm going into plant medicines like that's not really something that's coming up it's more just showing me my tendencies and my attachments and like where my attachments create entangled energy which is really all it is like i don't understand how something's supposed to work because i've i was taught something else and now i'm carrying this belief with me that i created other beliefs around over the course of several years and now i actually don't even know what i believe i don't even know what my truth is that's what entangled energy looks like mm. and <clears throat> so what i first did was like what are your first memories of money Like, um, I started a book called you're a badass at making money and it was great. It was great. It was, uh, there's like so many journal prompts in there. That's like my favorite one. And I actually incorporated a lot of this into a vision board course that was about money is asking yourself, like, what are the, who are the five people that influenced your relationship with money the most growing up? And, and again, most of our perceptions and our defense mechanisms and our personality come before the age of five. So if you're thinking like, earliest memories possible. So your mom, your dad, you know, maybe a babysitter, um, maybe somebody else's parents, maybe an uncle, you know, maybe somebody that you worked for and look, look at their relationship with money and how you perceived it and how you watched and learned from them because they were your first introduction into this thing that you now know as money. And so writing down those five people, writing down how their relationship with money impacted you. So if like your, if your you know, your dad was constantly gambling. How did that relationship impact you? And then what are the stories that you created based on those relationships? So if you have five relationships, five people, you could write down five stories for each one. And now you're looking at 25 different stories that you have around money that you probably weren't aware of before because they're not really your stories. They're perceptions Mm -hmm. that you had to survive in order to figure out what is this even in this world. And so now you're looking at 25 different things and you're looking at them and you're reframing them. You're saying, okay, I know that this is a story that I have that's obviously unserving because money's neutral. Do you ever meet somebody who like doesn't have feelings about money? They have a lot of money and they do really well like managing it because they're, they're just like money is just a thing that you use to do other things. Mm. And it's only when we become really emotionally attached to it and that we have stories around it that it, it can really like either you know, go missing and we're not really sure how, or we're looking at our account and it's creating anxiety for us. And so for me, like trying to get to this neutral place is I have all these 25 stories around money and and how I believe that it shows up in the world and how I can either have it or not, or what I have to do to get it or who I, who I, I have to compromise to get it. That's the biggest thing for me was having this relationship with my dad. It was very much like, like, it's like a, all things are a form of prostitution when you're compensating. You're like, hey, like I'm giving you attention and I'm giving you love and not sexually but just giving you love. So like will you buy me this pair of jeans, please? And we learned that from an early age. Like how many times as like a young girl are you like, please, 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 please? Mm-hmm. And it's like it's a joke and it seems really cute. But you're literally learning to beg and to change your personality and your energy in order to get what you want from somebody. And with money, like some people, mm. the things that they had to do to get money is is actually really scary. And then they take those that over into their adulthood. And so I wrote that down and then you reframe it. And that's what the book teaches you is like how to reframe the stories that you have around money. So now you have 25 different reframed stories. So, for instance, if my story is that I have everything that I need and more and others are less fortunate than us. So having more money than I need makes me feel guilty. I can reframe this and say, I have everything I need and more today, but I want to live a limitless tomorrow. And if somebody Mm. needs something tomorrow or if I need something tomorrow, I always want to have enough resources to do anything that I need for myself and for others. And so now it's like the same line. It's like, I want to make sure that I'm still taking care of myself and other people. Like that's still something that's important to me or I wouldn't have that belief. But now I have this belief that like, yo, I don't know what people are going to need. So I need to have enough to make sure that whatever anybody else needs or whatever I need, I will have more than enough tomorrow. And I don't have to feel shameful about having more than enough because I'm happy to spend it on people if they need it and if I am in a place to give it to them. But if I give to them when I don't have – when I'm not in a place to give to them, I'm taking from myself and someone else.
0: Oh, will you – hold on. So if, you, if you're giving something that you don't have to give, you're taking – what was that again?
1: If I'm giving what I don't really have to somebody, I'm taking that away from myself and someone else. Versus if I have enough for everyone, mm-hmm. then I have enough for me. I have enough for you. I have enough for the next person. I have enough for the next person. But feeling so narrowed in on like I might miss out on an opportunity to give to other people and I have too much money and I feel shame about it because what if somebody else needs more? The idea that like I have to keep myself small so that other people don't feel small, it's like, no, like make myself as big as possible financially so that I can take care of myself and anyone else that comes along my path if I choose. Mm. And so that was like one of the things I reframed. Another thing that I reframed was like, you know, in order to make a living, you have to break your back. And I reaffirmed this belief with partners. I watched my partners break their back. This is a backs. popular one, I think. For sure. For sure. Like this is your ext- like, extremely masculine generation <laughs> X Man, that's just keep your head down, grind. They're reading books like Relentless. They're reading, you know, a lot of the a lot of the old school books that are just like teaching you like that you just have to just keep your head down, do it, work as hard as you possibly can, and it'll be worth it one day. And this these are the types of men that I would attract because I could count on them to do the thing that I believed had to be done that I was not willing to do. And so you attract a certain type of person in your life. So you can look at your partners too and see how your relationship with money attracts certain people into your life and certain friends into your life. Like I always attract girlfriends in my life that don't want to have conversations about money. And to be honest, in the past, I've attracted girlfriends in my life that were willing to do things for money that I was not because I still wanted to go do those things. Like I still wanted to go party in Vegas and have bottle service and be that kind of girl that like got taken care of. And, but I wasn't going to sleep with somebody for that oh, but I had friends that would. Hmm. And it's like, it's really interesting how you can look back and justify all these things like, no, I loved that person. And it's like, maybe I did, you know, and some of those people I really genuinely am still friends with. But at the end of the day, like I knew my boundaries, but I knew that they weren't going to ask me, I knew that they weren't going to say like, hey, I've noticed that you've never done this, like I've been doing this, and I'm getting it for both of them of us because they have shame too so i can count on my friend's shame to not bring up something that brings up my shame and we're the best of friends right and the same thing in partnerships i can count on my partners who work so hard and love having somebody around that's fun and playful to not bring up how hard i don't work because they're so busy working too hard and they're avoidant and so i yeah so like magnets right unconscious magnets trauma bonds um, and so that's, that's kind of how that played out for a really, really long time. Um, in, in my, in my dynamics with people,
0: man, that's intense. Like, um, just so everyone knows, like, I mean, we could go off on this. This is right. It's there's books on this. You could have many conversations. I mean, endless conversations about this. And so if you want to go deeper, you'll be able to later, um, but for real, like, if you're someone not only later with us off the call, but on the call, if you have questions, I would love to soon, in the next 10 minutes or so, like, walk through a reframing session with someone. Mm-hmm. So if you feel like that person, you can use the raise your hand or request to speak feature. Um, If you're open to it, and if not, I'm definitely going to take that opportunity. (laughs) And
1: I also want to say, for mm -hmm. anybody that's listening that feels, like, triggered by anything I'm saying, good for you. Like, Mm. I 100, like, this is a triggering conversation. And it's triggering because there's so many components in there of manipulation and using people and we're all manipulators some some people are just better than others that's the truth you want to talk about somebody who doesn't think they're a manipulator and is like everyone's like there people are manipulators like no you are too you're just not good at it and that's we we have this mechanism to survive and it's it's a hard conversation to have it's really difficult to have a conversation around money and it's very triggering and i have those conversations on a regular basis and people like they give a lot of fight back but they also aren't willing to be in truth about their relationship with money and be transparent about what's coming up for them And for me, like, I'm always down to have the most uncomfortable conversations around these topics because that's how healing happens, right? Like, Mm -hmm. the same thing happened with sexuality for a long, long time where we weren't having these conversations and people were constantly shaming other people about coming out and talking about it. And we need to heal. As a society, we're looking at it like we're trillions of dollars in debt.
0: I like that. It's a mirror. Mm. Okay, that's really cool. So... Besides reframing, because so we have scarcity and abundance and we've, you know, gone into money stories kind of. But the one thing that really hit me when we spoke last week, I think it was, was this example that you gave me of someone working so hard, but trying to grab multiple things. Right. So Mm. they weren't focused on one or two things and really just like mastering it. But trying to grab at all these different things because you're in a scarcity mindset of, I'm afraid that if I don't grab one of these things that I'm trying to get, that I'm not going to be happy or good enough or successful or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you grab at all these things because you're worried about not getting one of those things. But therefore, mm-hmm. you trap yourself because if you try and grab so many of those things, you're not even going to grab one. Totally. So what, yeah. so what would you say to, like, to that person?
1: I would just help them understand like where energy is spent. Like if if you let's say that you you know y- you you have something that you want to do, you're really passionate about it, and you're like, well, I also am really passionate about cooking. So like I'm gonna I'm gonna start a, and I'm just using this as an example because this is what I did, I'm gonna start like a me- like a meal prep. Like I'm gonna cook for my friends, right? So like, hey, I'll cook your meals for you. So now I'm cooking all the time and. And it's good, but I'm not making a lot of money because I'm not super passionate about it. I'm not interested in like exhausting my resources. So I'm only cooking for like maybe five people a week. I'm making a couple extra hundred dollars. That's really convenient. Then I offer to like go and clean my friend's houses because like I need a little extra cash here and there. And then like what about bouncing at like a nightclub? Like I could probably make good money there. And, you know, I might meet a lot of people and those people might lead to more opportunities that sounds like a pretty good idea and and then the next thing I know like maybe I want to get my bartending bartenders make really good money and you're dipping your hand in like so many different things when you're young and like service industry people do this a lot right like you're working at multiple different restaurants and it's just like you you you're so afraid that that one of those opportunities one of those 10 is the thing but you're not willing to put your chips in to like find out if it's the thing and even if you did you would find out that it's not the thing your soul is calling to Mm. And so, I mean, that scarcity idea that like you feel like, well, it's a needle in a haystack and I just got to find all the, all the haystacks as as much as I possibly can. And if I try out all the needles, like at some point I'm going to find it. And that was definitely me is like when I was taking on clients and I didn't have enough clients, I was like, well, maybe I'll go get a bartending job except for if I'm going to spend 20 hours a week bartending, why would I not spend 20 hours a week acquiring new clients? Well, it's because I don't believe that I can, Mm. which means I'm trading my worth for this bartending job or like whatever it is I'm doing, like I'm exchanging energy for something that is a for sure paycheck because I'm communicating to myself that I don't believe that I can create a for sure paycheck without somebody else. That's codependency. That's a mirror of your relationship with money. If you don't believe you can bring in money without other people, you're codependent and you're not going to be able to create a business where you can flourish on your own because of the belief system that you have underneath it.
0: Dang, yo. That's intense. Will you go into the energy before... I mean, there's so many things, but I really like this, too, of how we talked about before you spend money or you don't spend money, what is the energy tool? Because we've talked a lot about energy, but focus on, like, the how you talked about the feelings and energy.
1: Yeah, so the way that I cleaned up everything in my life – this isn't just money. I've done this with everything, with my relationship with men, with my relationship with my friends, with mm. money, with my with fitness, physical fitness – is that entangled energy. So think of like, think of your relationship as this masculine linear line, right? So my relationship between me and something should be a clean line, a clean frequency of like, this is what it is. And I know that and it's easy and it's simple and it just feels clean, right? But somewhere along the way, all of our belief systems just get so entangled in all of that. And we don't really understand like what our truth is with something. And so instead of being able – and this this has like a great example of this is like say that you're a blogger, right? And you're getting ready to blog, but you don't even really know what you're going to blog about. And one day you're like, I'm going to sit down at the computer I'm going to blog. And you sit down at the computer and as soon as you try to be creative – you're just like shut down and you feel exhausted. And you're just like, wow, I feel so tired and I haven't even gotten anything done. That right. is a great example of when you are in a really energetically entangled situation between what you think you want to do and what your soul is asking for you to do, or, or what, what your truth is. And so when the, the cleaner that we can get for our truth, because if energy is all around us. It's everything we do. It's, it's thoughts. It's, it's words. It's the relationship we have with other people. It's the feelings that we have. Then that's the feminine and the masculine, which is the world that we know, which is the containers that hold it all. So money is just a container. It's just a neutral container that you can, it's tangible. You can physically pick it up and you can place it somewhere. But if you think about it, it's just a piece of paper. Somebody had to energetically put a title and an understanding on it thoughts, and feelings, and emotions, and concepts, conceptual ideas, which is energy, in order Mm. for that piece of paper to come alive. It's two parts, right? So money isn't something that is, is the stories that we create. It's just that combination of a physical thing that we put energy into, and now it is what it is, and it's neutral. And so if you're going to spend that money That energy behind it, you're actually putting your conceptual idea of what it is. So if you're going to buy a new pair of Nikes, right, and you don't have a lot of money in your bank account, and you think you're like, you know, you're you're like, oh, I just have to have these, I have to have these, I have to have these, and you're a kid, right, and your parents are like, why do you have to have them? You're just like, I just do, right? Like it's cool, I just do, and you're like, okay, cool, and then you go and you buy those Nikes, and you go to school, and no one likes you anymore, and you're disappointed, and now you wish you had that two hundred dollars back, but you don't really know why. And the truth of it is, is if you could have sat down and you could have got to a point, which we're not taught to do this as kids, where you could have said, hey, I'm really struggling at school and I'm not having, I'm not doing a very good job at connecting with people. I actually don't know how to connect and I have social anxiety, but I know this kid that has this pair of Nikes. And when I see him, everybody's drawn to him, you know, he's vibrant and I'm just trying to figure out how do I tap into that kind of energy. So I'm going to beg my parents for $200 and I'm going to hope that those shoes are going to be the answer to me being able to connect more with people. And it doesn't happen because you don't. You're not even aware that that's what you're trying to do. You just think you need those shoes because you're trying to create a feeling. You're trying to create a conceptual idea, the same way that money has conceptual ideas in them, right? And so for me, a lot of this would come from like, like I didn't want to pay to go and travel places because I had my parents had always paid for it and men had always paid for it. Mm. So when it would come time to go on trips with my friends and people would invite me places, like my truth was that like, of course I want to go. I want to go on an adventure. But this idea in my head that like me paying for a trip was something that I'd never had to do before. So now I'm having to pay for something that I never had to pay for. That's not fair. That's taking more money out of my account. and. And it's like, I couldn't sit down and say, wow, like this whole time I haven't, I've had the luxury of other people taking care of these costs. And I never had to look at what it actually costs to go on a trip and had to sit down and say, what is the value versus what I'm, what I'm like spending. Right. And now I have to look at how hard do I work every single day for this value? So if I work X amount of hours for $3,000 and this trip is $3,000, that means that the amount of work that I've been putting in for the last, you know, two, two weeks Is the same as what I'm going to spend on this vacation. I better fucking enjoy that vacation. (laughs) Yeah. And we're not looking and we're not breaking it down like that. It's just Mm -hmm. like, it's just like uh, $3,000. Like, and I hear this all the time with clients just run my card before I change my mind. Just run my card. And it's like that look at that energy. That energy is like, I don't want to look at whatever's coming up inside of me. Just run the card. Let's do this thing. Let's make the decision so that I can't go back because I feel anxious.
0: What do you do when that happens?
1: I would stop. And I, I would love that. probably too. cover the card with my hand and I would take a deep breath in my own body. <sighs> Why do you feel so anxious about this? Like, are you sure you want me to run your card? I'm not sure that this is like, I get the feeling that, you know, you're unsure and I, let's just have yeah. a conversation about it. Like what's the value if you if you still want to run your card at the end of this, great. but I'm going to tell you if I take a client right now who has that kind of energy around money and they don't really understand the value of it, they're not cleaning their, they're not cleaning the energy. And I want somebody who's like, take this three thousand dollars that I made and let's make some magic. Mm. I want the money that I'm spending with you to be an investment, right So if I'm like, you know what Ben, I want to take you out for lunch. And Mm -hmm. I want to buy you lunch because every single time that we have interactions, I feel so energized and the idea of spending my money on things that make me energized feels like an investment. It feels like when I spend that money, I will have more space inside of myself, more energy inside of myself. I'll be more productive, more creative, more inspired. I literally can't think of something better to spend money on. So I'm going to take you to lunch versus being like, Oh yeah. Like, Acorn takes about seven dollars and fifty cents, you know, once a week out of my account, and I don't, yeah. I don't watch it because I can't stand watching money leave my account. But I'm just like secretly hoping that I'm gonna acquire wealth. And and it's like if you're still do, I I have an Acorn account too. Cool, like super dope. But I'm just saying, like, there's a difference, like, of what investments really are, and like how what what you're getting out of it. If every time you spend money on something, if every time you're like, wow, I feel so energized, like, wow, I really feel like connected to this moment. Like there is no better investment than that.
0: I love that. So let's talk about spending and then talk about receiving because I think receiving is also part of that, right? Um, Of the energy of like if someone does something nice for us to receive it. So when you're spending something, I've been trying this, like my intention behind like buying groceries for the week for someone like from my mom or whatever that may be. Or the people I'm with whatever lunch and I've been just focusing on because before I didn't think about it I would just do it and I don't I need to journal this but I would just do it just because I feel like it was just kind of expected of me Um, and it goes back to my money story like when I was a kid um, of just feeling like really, like, I just wanted to take care of my mom, and so that comes into, like, wanting to take care of everybody, and if I can't do that, then I feel guilty, so I definitely am someone who feels guilty-ish for having too much, so I've been trying when I, like, do something nice for someone, just, okay, what you said of, what is the return on this, like, am I just doing this to do this, or does it truly, like, I want to give something to this person because it makes me like, of course, it makes them feel good, but also makes me feel good. Like, does it come from a, a pure place? And it's been yeah. fun. It's been fun to observe these feelings as they come up, um, because it's just an awareness thing. Because some of, so many of us just get a bad feeling, kind of like the client that you mentioned or clients about just hurry and just run it without me looking, or without before I change my mind or just hurry and run the card. Like we just want to hurry and get it over with instead of staying with that feeling and observing it. So with spending money and probably receiving, would that be the first step you would suggest is just to observe the feelings that you have, like just making purchases and just think about it before you make it. Yeah. I would say like
1: something that you could do is, is have like a weekly date with yourself where, you know, Mm -hmm. you're, you're just, you're being conscious when you're spending your money and you're, you're paying attention. Do I, does anxiety rise in my body? tracking? Is it just a natural response that you're having because spending money is just anxious to you? Or are you recognizing that you're spending money on something that is probably going to take a toll on you? And then at the end of the week, go through your bank account. And if you can't remember what the like, if you're like, I don't even remember that coffee. Like I'm, I don't want to, you know, if I'm in a financial, if I'm in a place where I'm I'm having troubles financially, like you don't want to spend too much focus on like saving five, you know, dollars here and there. But at the same time, if you're spending five dollars a day on a coffee and you don't even remember drinking that coffee, you're the the truth is is like it's become an addiction. It's become like something that you're doing to um, numb, right? And I'm like, we all numb. So like, I'm not calling anybody out. Like I, we all, we're all addicts. We're all numbing. Um, social yeah. media, all that good stuff. But for me, like I want to, I want to look at my bank account, and I want to be like coffee. Like I had two coffees this week. Oh, I had coffee with Austin and Ben. I love those guys. Love them. That was such a good conversation. Wow. Mm-hmm. And now I'm creating conscious triggers in my life where we have so that, we have bro. a lot of unconscious triggers, right? Like mm-hmm. all of the triggers from our childhood. But what's crazy is if we can create triggers without even knowing it, we can 100% create triggers that are super conscious. So now it's like it's like I'm triggering, I'm going in on, on this and I'm looking at my bank account and I'm looking at energy that I spent and it's reminding me of the energy and the cleanliness and the love and the vulnerabilities and like whatever it is that we were doing. And it's like, Hell yeah. Like that right there will translate to more energy. And if you have more energy and, and money is just energy, you have more money. So if you can create the thing that is conceptually put into the piece of paper, you can make as much money as you want.
0: Ooh, hold on. Stay right there. So if you can create the energy that's put into this piece of paper, you can create as much as, as you want. Will you dive deeper into that?
1: Yeah. So let's say that you work at a factory and you work you know, hours and hours and hours and then you go to another job and you work at another job. And you're exhausted all the time. How will you ever curate enough energy in your body to even make a change to get a new job? If you go home at the end of the day and you're exhausted and you know that you need to get up and go do an interview at another job, but you don't have it in you, you are literally like just trading like time for money, right? And you can trade time for money in other environments and it's completely different. For instance, if you're working to build a business and your friend, has a job that you know, like you're going to learn a skill set there that you can acquire to go and do another business. And so every time you go into work, you're learning something new that ignites your soul. And you're like, yes, this is going to be the thing that helps my business in the future. Even though I'm trading my time for a dollar amount every hour, like it doesn't matter because I'm excited to be here and I'm learning what I want to learn. And I feel like I'm deeply in my purpose and you have more energy. All of a sudden when you get off work, you're like, what am I going to go do right now? I have so much energy. I'm going to blog. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a post on Instagram that reaches people. Or I'm going to call a friend, right? And then all of a sudden you call that friend and you're like super energized and they're super energized. And you have this great conversation. You get off the phone with them and now you have more energy and more energy and more energy, right? And so now you have the thing that makes the money worthwhile. You have the thing that people are looking for. It's not money people are looking for. It's energy. It's like I feel really good and I can just go, go, go. And I have friends that I'm around like that. Like I have a group of friends that I literally like it's it's bad. We can't, we can't just always be together because we'll stay up till six o'clock in the morning completely sober (laughs) with so much energy and then we'll be like, want to build a business together. And it's (laughs) it's crazy.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, like you're one of those people that I could do that with. Mm -hmm. And I always have so much energy all the time. And, you know, like I'm traveling all the time. I'm not eating as good as I've eaten in the past. I'm not working out as much as I have in the past because mm. I'm traveling and I'm building a business and I have so much energy. And so I think, too, tracking like your perception of how busy you actually are versus how busy you are. But you could feel like you could not be that busy. and You could feel really busy. And then you could be really busy and not feel really busy at all. And it really just comes down to where is your energy at with it? And everything around you is, I mean, yeah, so it's, it's easy to, to, it's, it's hard to like really pull that conceptual idea down into something that we can understand. And I think that's, that's why there's not a lot of uh, books, you know, I've been reading the books, but like, I'm really just like kind of taking my own understanding of it and just trying to find words that make sense for me because if money was as tangible as we think it is, we wouldn't be so confused about it, but it's an energetic thing. And we don't understand energy very well as a society mm. because it doesn't, it's not the, what we've, what we've learned come to learn on this, on this plane. Right.
0: Yeah. an energy and a feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's so cool. Um, so everyone type your questions, just be type all your questions, just start typing them in the chat. And then my last question for you probably is, with receiving. So I love the idea of auditing, even just like your productivity of, man, I feel so busy, but I'm really not busy. So it's auditing, like what you actually do and how you feel with it. Like, I love that actually like tangible takeaway. So with receiving, what have you noticed? Because I've seen this more, um, cause I think I've surrounded myself with abundant people like yourself and others who love to give. Right. Um, but receiving has been an interesting thing with some of these people that we would actually rather give because it makes us feel better instead of receiving. So what, what have you noticed with that in your own life?
1: This is going to be a very triggering answer as well.
0: Uh-huh. Uh,
1: so, can you see, physically see someone give and physically see someone receive if they're not handed something? No. Okay, so the act of giving and receiving is also an energetic exchange. Let's mm. call it a free a frequency, okay? And you know it's a frequency because when you give to someone you can feel it viscerally, right? You get joy. So, vibrations uh, come from emotion, and you can track this. Power versus force talks about this. It literally tracks human emotion in the body and how it's measured on a watt scale, right? So this isn't mm. just like something I'm making up. This is how where science, where quantum science meets the physical world that we live in. So, if you're looking at the frequency of giving, you are also looking at the frequency of receiving. Now, this is just my theory, but I don't actually think that they're different whatsoever. I think they're the exact same frequency with two different names. Mm. Because if you are constantly, let's say that you and me, we both like to give but we're trying to give to each other at the same time and neither of us are receiving. We're not really feeling the feeling of pleasure that we feel when we give because the other person refuses to receive. Uh. And so we can become exhausted by it. It's very like, please take this. And you're like, no, you take it. No, you take it. No, you take it. Nobody wants, nobody wants to do that. Like that's not fun at all. Right, And that's why you end up with people who are givers that are in relationships with people who are takers because at least that person will take. But that's still not receiving. So my theory is that giving and receiving are the exact same thing because I have given without any expectation, without anything in return, purely from love. And I'm going to be honest, not very many times in my life. It's hard to do. It is so fucking hard to give without wanting anything in return, so validation, hard. acknowledgement, gratitude, nothing. Like you're just like, the gratitude I feel in my body right now is if you never knew I was giving this to you, I would still give it to you. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's when a good I question. have
1: genuinely done that, when I've genuinely done that, I am filled with so much pleasure, meaning that I have received. I am in a receiving, I'm literally receiving pleasure, receiving pleasure, receiving pleasure. So they're the same. And when you let someone receive, like when somebody really fully receives, like if somebody's giving me a gift and I lay there and I'm like fully receiving of it, I gift that person what it feels like to feel that visceral feeling of like genuinely giving. And so it doesn't matter whether you're the giving or the receiving person. It matters what your intention is behind it and what you're looking to get. And if you're not looking to get anything, either way, it's a gift. Both are a gift. And if you have an attachment to the outcome of it, you're not giving and you never were. And so for all the people that think they're givers, but they can't receive, I would, I would tell you to ask yourself, like, if you were giving and, no one, and the person that you were giving to never knew that you were giving it to them, would you still keep giving it every single day?
0: Yeah, I wrote that question down and put it in the chat because I just love that question every single time to ask before you do that. That's a good question. Totally. And most things, questions are, are always the best answers. Dang,
1: You know what's funny is like I've always, I, there's always someone in the group that's like, that's not true. I give all the time and I don't want anything in return. I just like to be the person that gives. Like, it's just what I like to do. And I'm like, cool. So for you, what you get out of it is an ego attachment to your identity. Being in the identity of the giver, you're attached to that and you want mm-hmm. to be that person and it makes you feel good about yourself. So therefore, what are you, what, if you didn't feel good about yourself, if you weren't attached to that identity, and if you were not allowed to be known as a giver, even by yourself, would you still be giving? It's complicated. But I mean, receiving is is a gift equally in the same. Um, and I think like the more that you spend time on it and the more that you recognize when you don't receive from people and how you refuse to receive, you'll start to recognize how much you are taking away people giving, which is really you taking.
0: Mm. That's so good. So, what are, so just a couple of things for people. So, you're badass at making money. So, I'm just going off the books that you referenced mm-hmm. and the power versus force, right?
1: Yeah. And the energy of money is really good too
0: and the energy of money. So those are three things for people to to delve into. And then for everyone else, like as we start to wrap up, for sure type any questions that you guys have. And then like I just want to thank Adrian just because you spent, you know, an hour with us and, you know, usually you charge hundreds of dollars for in, each hour. So I just really appreciate that. Um, to spend with us and just for everyone else who's watching like if you want to dive deeper um adrian's actually going to be working with me which i'm super excited And this is the first time that we've done this she gave me the idea for like link mentors and i was like oh this is a super dope idea and to really take anyone who loves the topic that we discuss and want to dive into it even more just like a one-time thing then you can book um an hour with adrian so and myself and so it'll be me, Adrian, you for an hour for a hundred bucks when it's usually hundreds of dollars close. Five hundred. Five hundred. There we go. Basically if we're simple.
1: if we're if we're doing the math, because I don't I don't actually do anything other than working with clients for a full extended three month period of time, which is six thousand dollars. So if you and I don't, it's not really like charged by the hour kind of thing because you're not you're not paying for my time, you're paying for the energy, right? What and we're like talking about.
0: The,
1: yeah, what we're talking about and mm-hmm. cleaning your your energy too, like putting your money towards something that is actually going to re-energize you to go out and to make more. Um, but if you were to break it down for the analytical people, because there's always that, um, it is like $500 for for a week, for an hour.
0: Yeah. So for a hundred bucks is zilch, but we'll still, the energy we feel during that time is equal.
1: totally. <laughs> it's all the same, right?
0: I love it. Okay. That's awesome. So there's only 10 spots because obviously. 10 hours of that is a lot of time. So there's only 10 spots. So click the button, there's an offer that says book now. So go book it, fill out your information, and then me and Adrian will get back to you. Um, Yeah, and so for the question, Nikki, she asked, I am stunned. This is all revolutionary, (laughs) which I freaking love. Um, Could either of you give another example of a money story and then reframing it? So let's try mine. of, I guess, specifically, I'm trying to think. Oh, and then Maria says, I have that book, The Energy of Money. I've never read the book. Now that you mentioned it, I will read it. That's awesome. Um, So, Nikki, if you have, we can give one more example, but for sure, I would suggest, you know, hopping on the phone with me and Adrian, just because we can delve into it, and I would love it, and I know you would love it, and Adrian would love it, but reframing my story of... Let's just say I feel because I didn't grow up poor, but I definitely grew up without without a ton. Because I grew up in a wealthy neighborhood. Like my mom did really good, a really good job of making sure that we grew up around a neighborhood of people like my friends who could take care of us. Like I went on trips a lot. Um, you know, they just took care of me, and I always felt safe and secure. Um, So I'm not sure. I'm trying to think of like where this goes of reframing it, but essentially
1: don't reframe it. Just tell your story and then we'll reframe it and tackle it together.
0: So, So, I give, I love to give things to people, but I feel like it comes from a place of, I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing this for me because I feel like I'm supposed to, and I don't want you to feel bad and I don't want you to feel without Essentially, I want you to feel like I'm doing it to make you feel safe because I don't want you to feel like struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Right. And a way that you could reframe that would be, um, my perceptions are my own. I take full responsibility for knowing that I project the way that I see you onto you. And I will inquire in the future about the way that you feel and what your relationship is with money so that I can be clear about that so that I'm not putting money towards you when I'm not even sure if that's something that you need. And if it becomes something Mm. that you need, then we can have a conversation about why you need it. And when I choose to spend money on you because you're in need, then I can actually be fulfilled knowing that I'm doing the thing that I would want to do.
0: That's really good. I like that. So hopefully that helps. That helps me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. So um, for sure, so everyone who watched the call, you'll get the call so you can rewatch it and all that fun stuff so you can rewind it and all that fun stuff. Sarah, I know. Oh, I love that. I love that, too. Um, so, Adrian, what are the things? So people follow you at Adrian Ellison. We have the retreat coming up next month. We're most likely going to do more retreats. But what else um, are you excited about right now?
1: I'm single for the first time in a very, very <laughs> long time, uh-huh. um, and I'm really excited to explore that, and um, you know, exploring the depths of my own codependency and. What it looks like so i've been really in truth with men about my relationship with money and how it shows up in our relationships and that's just super cool conversation for a first date so like i'm um, mm. you know i'm excited about that on like a personal level and what i'm doing in my in my personal life um i am getting ready to have some friends come into town in austin i'm still on my nomadic journey so i'm taking off and This weekend, I've got friends coming into town, and I'm going to be with a lot of my community. And then I'm going to San Diego where it's my birthday. I get to host this beautiful retreat with you. Mm -hmm. I get to see more of my friends that are flying in. Then I'm going to Salt Lake City for a snowboarding trip. So like all that's my personal stuff Um, on a business level. Getting into intimacy and relationship coaching for couples is probably the thing that I am the most passionate about right now. Uh, I love, love, love looking at people's containers that they've created in their relationship that they did unconsciously because they were passed down the belief systems and the conditioning from their parents and other generations and society and religion. And mm-hmm. helping people understand that they're so unique that they don't actually have to fit in any type of a box. That you get to create a custom container for your relationship that serves both you and your partner, and to get back to a place where. We let go of codependency and we see ourselves and our partners as whole people without each other so that we can really coexist and get to a place of co-creation versus codependency. So that's something that I am really passionate about, Um, working with people who are a little bit unconventional on that side and and just trying to tap into that um, women's sexuality. That's definitely my jam right now. Um, So Mm -hmm. I have... Uh, a women's sexuality retreat that's really just like a two day event coming up in Vancouver. And I'm also going to do a full size retreat, possibly in Sedona or in Utah. Um, that'll be like a four day retreat for women to come and to learn a lot about anatomy that we were taught incorrectly because only four schools in the entire state are required to have accurate sex education, which is some bullshit. Um, but we were not taught correctly about the female body and the female sex organs. Um, and it's our job to educate ourselves at this point. And so I've been working with some really incredible uh, sexual psychologists and um, people with their PhD in, in um, sexual biology that have studied different monkeys like macaques and, and understanding that, you know, Darwin kind of got it wrong a little bit. And and so really diving into that um, and trying to create a little bit of liberation going on and i would love i'd love for you guys to just follow me on my personal brand at adrian ellison um stay in touch with that and then anything that i'm doing through the Alpha's project which then will keep you guys up to date with as well
0: dang yo so lots to be excited about
1: yeah yeah <laughs> i love it you like how i told you about my personal stuff first i'm like i'm a real person so here's what i'm doing <laughs>
0: uh-huh. yeah. i love that well again thank you so much for spending an hour like seriously that means a ton yeah that's um, and then I'm going to listen back to this just from for myself, because this well, is something that I haven't thought a lot about, but I just haven't been conscious of, you know, and to make sure like, man, there's just so much to learn. And hopefully of all the things you just mentioned, you're doing, whether it's, you know, sexual sexuality that we haven't been aware of or teaching money, like there's so much opportunity for us to learn and to heal for others. Or if anyone's watching, like there's plenty of room for you of just like, I don't know. There's just so much space for that, for the giving, the exchange of giving and receiving of knowledge and energy that way, which is so cool.
1: Absolutely. Yes. I mean, we all deserve to heal. You deserve to heal from, from all of your stories and just create (laughs) new ones and and feel free and liberated. So definitely let us know how we can support.
0: That's dope. Um, Okay. I think that's it, everyone. Thank you for joining Adrian. Anything else?
1: That's
0: it okay, well, thank you, everyone. Thanks for spending an hour an hour of your night watching this live. That's really cool, and then again, you can watch it recorded and we appreciate you sincerely and Maria, you are so welcome. Um, she says that she's following you now <laughs> I love it I love it welcome. I love it, okay, cool. all right, and then let us know if you have any questions about how we're gonna dive deep with more people because we'd love to dive deep with you so Much love, everyone. All right, my peeps, I hope you are ready to identify and reframe your money story so you can create more of the energy, or in air quotes, money that you want. So this week's challenge is inspired by Adrienne to clean up your money energy by consciously reviewing your bank and cards statements, your transactions that she talked about. So set a date this week, whether it's 30 minutes, whatever it is, scroll through and take note of the energy you feel when you see each line, when you see each transaction. Do you remember that moment? If you don't, then it's best to not spend money or energy there anymore. If you do remember, how do you feel? Does it feel awesome? Cool, keep creating that energy. If it doesn't feel awesome, stop creating that energy, which means stop spending money in that environment, okay? So I've already done this and it's really cool because it really does clean up like how you feel when you're spending or giving money it's like, do I really want to do this? How does it feel when I'm doing this? It brings an awareness to your feelings around money so you can stop change or continue what you're doing. So if you like this conversation, you can join the membership by clicking the link in the description. It's like a podcast on steroids because you get to converse with us during these conversations and you get one-on-one coaching for an amazing price in a group setting. So if personal coaching for you, like if you wanted a coach, but it's too expensive, this is perfect because it's 29 bucks a month. You get weekly conversations, you get exclusive content and you get really like ask these questions to guest experts and myself, like identify and reframe your money story. This is dope. (laughs) All right, y'all signing off from a bathroom coffee shop. You can do a podcast anywhere. I love you. Keep pushing. Keep chugging. Keep accepting. Keep surrendering. Do things different. If it's anyone, it's you. If it's any time, it's now. For real, I love you. Thank you for listening.